If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oslo.com On the Contrary Show. I'm Dave Lachran, here for another edition, Week 10, with Alex Baker. You know him as Osimo, at Osimo DFS on Twitter. Number one ranked DFS player out there. Alex, how we feeling, man? Good. Week 10. It's looking like a fun one. Last week, hard to find a lot of value. This week, we, we got more than enough. I think we're going to be able to build some really stacked lineups, have some high scores. It'll be fun. And a uh, very special guest with us today. I was actually, uh, it, it was it was fun, very, very fun, joining him last week on the Fantasy Pros podcast, breaking down week nine. We can revisit my DJ Moore call, too. Uh, Mike Tagliari, lead NFL writer and analyst for the FantasyPros.com and co-host the Fantasy Pros football podcast. Mike, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Oh, thanks for having me back on the show. It was fun. We did this last year, and uh, I think we had a good show. So uh, let's do it again. All right, well, let's kick it off with you then, Mike, as our honorary guest for Week 10. Mike Davis, $4,000. Alex just threw a tweet out there, said, hey, all you got to do is play Mike Davis, lock him in, and then, well, of course, we have to find eight other players to make it work. But um, you would think that there would be a lot less controversy surrounding this pick this week than there is, at least in the chat rooms that I've seen uh, through doing shows throughout the week on Twitter. $4,000 DraftKings specifically. Christian McCaffrey has officially been ruled inactive, and they go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Very simply, how are you approaching a spot like Mike Davis at this price, knowing that he's going to be close to or north of 50% in most tournaments? You got to eat it. Um, I mean, in tournaments, I don't think you have to have like 50% ownership or anything like that. You don't want to expose yourself that much. Uh, but in cash games, he's definitely, he's a, he's a must play, uh, you know, and when you have chalk that high, it's almost like if it hits, you're screwed. You're, you're leaving yourself out of the cash. Uh, but if it doesn't, then you're not, you're not screwing yourself that much. So he's a, he's just a, a type of guy you have to play. Tampa Bay is a tough matchup and the ceiling is not particularly high. Uh, if you look at teams that against the Bucks this year, no team of running backs, not, not an individual running back, but no team of running backs has rushed for more than 89 yards against them on the ground. They're allowing sub three yards per carry. This is very similar to if you go back to where Mike Davis started struggling on the ground against the bears, against the saints, against Atlanta, those three run defenses are some of the best in the NFL. People don't realize that about Atlanta, but they've been very, very good on the ground against running backs. The bucks are the same way, but if you go back to the, they, these team, these two teams have already played each other and Mike Davis in that uh, game racked up a lot of receptions between him and McCaffrey. They racked up 12 receptions for 103, uh, 103 yards. 
And now we have Carlton Davis coming into this game a little bit gimpy. It seems like he's going to play. They don't, they didn't shadow in that game. And I still don't think they're going to shadow here because DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson present different levels of, of they're, they, they can both produce. Right. So I, I, you can't key in and say, we're going to slow down Mike Davis and Davis basically once he entered the lineup in McCaffrey's like spot, they gave him the same exact weighted opportunity that they were giving Christian McCaffrey. It was kind of ridiculous. So even if, even if you're not projecting, you know, a 30 point ceiling at 4k, I mean, he's hitting four X and that's going to allow you to play some of these higher priced running backs that we want to play in our running back, our flex spot, and even some wide receivers. Alex, no teams allowing fewer yards per attempt than the bucks on the ground this season, but that's not going to stop a lot of people solely based on the dirt cheap, literally minimum salary price tag on Mike Davis from our uh, preliminary talks before we got started. It seems like you and Mike are on similar pages here, eating the chalk and moving on. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, Pretty sure I might have almost all my lineups with Mike Davis this week. I, I think that, uh, yeah, the Bucks run defense is really tough. But I only have Mike Davis scoring 40% of his fancy points running the ball. Uh, most of it is because he's such a prolific uh, target. And he's been really effective catching the ball out of the backfield, ca- catching 87% of passes. And he's... Uh, He's got 49 targets this season, including uh, Christian McCaffrey playing three games. So I think uh, about as safe as it gets from just a usage standpoint. The the thing that sucks about having Mike Davis this week is if he goes out and gets 50 points, like it's not really going to help you win at all. It's just like it can only hurt you if he gets less than 15 points or something. But I think he's the safest bet on this slate. Mike, every week we give our, our favorite pivot and our, our, sorry, our favorite fade and our favorite pivot at the end of the show. Now, as far as fade mm-hmm. goes, it doesn't mean you intend on having none of them, right. just, you know, potentially well below the field. Before we get into that, we've got a ways to go. I want to stay on the subject with Davis here and ask more so if there are any potential pivots at a similar price point, sub 5K pivots that you think might be a decent place to look if, say, someone does want to get different and isn't as enamored with Mike Davis as everyone else? I mean, the pivot you can go down to, uh, I think he was, uh, I want to say he was under 5K, was Jamal Williams. Uh, what was Jamal Williams' price? I, I totally Jamal get Jamal Williams, that. I believe, is minimum salary. Yeah, Jamal Williams would be someone I'd look at. Uh, the Jaguars, uh, and I mean, in every every single week, they've averaged out at 30 running back touches per game. Jamal Williams played extremely well. Uh, and this is kind of pivot off of Aaron Jones if you wanted to. Um, but he's a guy that, you know, he played extremely well. Aaron Jones, you know, we've heard Matt LaFleur talk about it last year. We've heard it talk about this year. We want to keep this guy fresh for the playoffs. If the Packers jump out to a three-touchdown lead, they're not going to give Aaron Jones the 20 touches per game that we want him to get. But the Jags, again, they face 30 running back touches per game. And that's involved some neutral game scripts, one game that they won back in week one. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I, I, I imagine that the Packers are going to run, their running backs are going to accumulate 35 touches in this game. So even if Aaron Jones does get 18 of them, we could see Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams get 15 of them. So that could be a good pivot and the ceiling's a lot higher against that Jaguars defense. Alex, it's remarkable in our YouTube chat, in the super chat, not just today, but every day, how much of them are so opposed to the idea of Mike Davis? I don't know. I feel like you're somewhat responsible for getting people to look at quality fades uh, and, and and be different from the field. So the question here is, what makes Mike Davis different when you? Because because you've you've made you you're, you've made your name in fading 
or coming in underweight on certain players or coming in well overweight on players that weren't getting much fanfare every week and knowing when to, to zig when everyone else is zagging, right? Uh, what exactly is it that, that allows you to feel comfortable in, in a spot like this not getting away from someone like Mike Davis? Just to, to dive a little bit further in and then we'll move on because this, as you pointed out, it's really the most important piece of the slate. So the reason I'd be happy to lock in Mike Davis compared to a different player is the amount of points he's scoring via PPR points. I I just feel like um, those are a lot more consistent. He is game script proof because he catches so many passes out of the backfield. Uh, Even if Carolina doesn't have a a big day on the ground, I I expect... uh, Mike Davis to still uh, have a decent score. So I'm, uh, I i don't think he's guaranteed to, to score more than 15 fantasy points, but I think his odds are about as good as anyone. Okay, perfect. Happy to have all of you guys with us. As I didn't mention it at the top of the show, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. And, you know, most importantly, it's good for us. It's good for you. Hit that subscribe button. Help us get to 50K. Not only does it allow us to keep getting free content out there to newer viewers to be able to to make the production better, the overall quality of the shows better, bring in some great guests here like Mike, but also it'll show up on the browse feature. It'll show up for you a lot easier. You'll always know when we have new shows coming out. So if you haven't subscribed yet, hit that button. It's very easy to do. And if you hate it, we'll gladly refund your misery. Just hit unsubscribe, but I don't think you will. All right, Mike, we've got some, uh, we've got some weird weather games similar to a couple weeks ago in week eight, the, um, the, the, the two specific ones here, and I'll let you hit on whichever one you want to first because we're going to get to both of them, would be uh, Houston and Cleveland. We actually saw a win game in Cleveland a couple weeks back against the Raiders. And then, of course, Jacksonville at Green Bay in Lambeau Field. Uh, kick it off wherever you'd like. I think these are some important spots to hit on over the next, you know, however much time we take. Yeah, I mean, the Cleveland spot is obviously a good one for the running backs there. Um, you know, the weather, everything factoring into that. But we also had the similar stage set for when Cleveland was playing against the Raiders just a couple weeks ago in that 50 mile an hour win game. Kareem Hunt wasn't able to get going. Nick Chubb's coming off of an injury. So I don't know how much we can trust those running backs. I think they're going to cap each other's upside. Uh, It is a fantastic smash spot because Houston, you know, you just, you put a running back out there and you just let them run through the holes the size of Texas. Uh, They've been terrible. They've looked legit terrible, but the Jaguars have been just as bad. And then when you go to Green Bay, we had a similar type situation last week but the weather was ideal for them right on Thursday night against the 49ers they could have really I don't want to say they could have picked their poison because San Francisco is a much better run defense than they are pass defense uh, but they decided to let Aaron Rodgers kind of have his fun throw for four touchdowns uh, in that game or three touchdowns rush for one whatever it was uh, but this week it should be the reverse of that I, I am expecting Aaron Jones to smash in this week uh, I don't it's 7,100. I think that he ha- he should be a lock along with Mike Davis and cash lineups. I think Aaron Jones should be played in tournaments as well. Um, again, this is another, this, I, I've talked about the fact that they're a 30 plus touch per game team that they're playing in Jacksonville. Uh, even if you were to remove like all the production they allow through the air to running backs, which Aaron Jones is obviously heavily involved in the passing game. Um, they've allowed tons and tons of fantasy points on the ground. So uh, there's really nothing I worry about with Aaron Jones. The fact that there's a potential for, you know, 30 mile an hour wins in that game only helps his role. Right. Uh, so I, uh, Aaron Jones, if I had to pick like a running back to play from those games, it would be definitely Aaron Jones in the passing game options. You're, you probably want to stay away from those guys. Cause both games could, I don't want to say 
Cleveland and Houston shouldn't be a blowout. Green Bay, Jacksonville definitely will be. Jake Luton would have to get the, the ball consistently to his receivers over and over and over again, which is something that I don't think you're going to see. Uh, it does help that J.R. Alexander is out for that game. But all in all, between these two games, Aaron Jones is the one you want to play. I saw a tweet the other day. I'd love to give credit, but I forget who it was, that Aaron Rodgers has never lost to a team with, with a winning percentage as bad as Jacksonville. Moreover, every time he's played one with a winning record this bad, they've won by an average margin of like 18 points or something absurd. It's just, uh, he he's a virtual lock to make sure they win this, especially with a you know, warm weather team coming up into the cold weather and the wind and the potential snow. Maybe that means nothing, Alex, but I know you wanted to save this for later in the show for the for the pivots <laughs> or the, the phase spot, but I can't let you do it. You can you can still use that at the end. But the, the fun of this show is that we don't always agree with the everything each other says. And I like Aaron Jones a lot too this week. I know he might not be someone given his projected ownership that is that is standing out to you and, and might be a potential fade. So talk to me about Aaron Jones in this uh weird weather game out there in Lambeau. Well, I think the matchup uh, for the Packers couldn't be better versus the Jacksonville defense that is bad versus the run. They're bad versus the pass. And the weather should slant more towards rushing over passing, given the wind. And uh, I don't expect Aaron Jones to have a hit in his uh, receiving because he's getting targeted at a low ADOT, which in wind isn't as effective. So I think there's a lot of factors working in Aaron Jones' favor. The one that is not, and my kid on this, is just the workload being pretty inconsistent with Jamal Williams uh, absorbing a lot of extra work that could happen if this game is in the pocket of Green Bay, which there's a decent likelihood of this. And uh, when we're looking at Aaron Jones' game log, I mean, I'm not I'm not super into game log watching, but uh, the last... Like three of the last four weeks, he's gotten less than 20 fantasy points. So it's not like he has a ton of consistency. It all comes down to the touchdowns of which he's gotten more than pretty much any player over the last couple seasons. So that's a huge factor. But I feel like he's gotten a little bit lucky in touchdowns over the last year and a half. And that makes people a little bit more confident in him than I am. Do you think there's any merit on the other side of this game to targeting a James Robinson. I, I personally think it's very difficult. The volume has been there, uh, which is why it still you know, warrants a conversation, right? He's got 47 carries, uh, eight targets over his last couple of games, averaging, a, a, what, around four or five targets per week. Uh, but both of those games have been competitive enough uh, to where he's been able to stay and the game flow has, or the game script hasn't flipped negative on him. In, in a spot like this, it's very hard to assume that's not going to happen. Um, James Robinson at his price, is, is he viable to you at all? Uh, yeah, I think James Robinson is an intriguing pivot away from Aaron Jones because they should be pretty negatively correlated because you expect a James Robinson game to come if uh, Jacksonville is up for most of the game. And uh, the thing I like about James Robinson is it, he stands in a really big contrast to Aaron Jones because his workload couldn't be higher. He basically on some weeks has handled 100% of the running back duties in Jacksonville. Now, Chris Thompson does get some of the passing down work, so he's not out there every play, but he's out there a lot more than Aaron Jones. It's just the probability of the team succeeding is about the lowest on the slate for Jacksonville. That being said, it's the NFL. 
they're probably going to win this game somewhere between <laughs> 15 and 20% of the time. So yeah. I think that uh, not a bad probability. I think said they were going to win this game. I think Mike thought so too, because it is the NFL and the level of parity has been absurd this year. Yeah. I don't think it happens, but you're right. 15, 20% of the time, Mike, uh, last lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky, lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think we saw DJ Shark with that huge first drive touchdown, just really terrible blown covers from Houston. But nevertheless, it worked. Jake Luton went above 300 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you already alluded to Jared Alexander being out this week. Do you have any interest in Jacksonville as runbacks if you're stacking this game? Or is this just mostly like, I'm going Aaron Jones, I might go Devontae Adams, but I'm not particularly uh, enticed by anything from the Jaguar side of the ball? I mean, if you do, you definitely want to go with like a Chark or uh, I guess maybe even a Chris Conley if you're looking for a min-price guy, um, just because LaVisca Chenault's not going to play. So that should bring on a more, um, you know, compacted target share because this team has been so spread out in terms of James, Rob- James Robinson getting targets, Chenault, Cole, and Chark. So it's like with Chenault out of the lineup, uh, Conley's probably going to see four or six targets. Uh, Keelan Cole was only targeted twice last week in, in Jake Luton's first start, and it was a decent matchup. So I, I don't think that we want to look Keelan Cole's way with Luton under center uh but what, again with J.R. Alexander out I think you do have to consider DJ Chark because uh the Packers outside of Alexander they really don't have a cornerback that's been shut down uh Shandon Sullivan has done a good job in the slot which is another reason we don't want to play Cole but if you look on the perimeter I'm guessing Kevin King will be back out there Josh Jackson those two have been busts basically so I think you would if you wanted to stack this game I would look back on that side and play one of the perimeter wide receivers Chark would be he'd make the most sense considering what we've seen from Luton so far this is kind of a fun slate with some exciting spots due to injuries, due to a, a myriad reasons, whether it be weather or just mispricing from DraftKings. Mike, what are your thoughts on the other weather game and someone like Duke Johnson uh, with David Johnson already ruled out? I mean, Duke Johnson's not a guy that they, I don't think they really want. It's kind of like a Giovanni Bernard play, right? Um, unfortunately, he's priced up a little bit to the point where I don't think you have to play him. Uh, you know, when I look at that matchup, I don't, I don't. Duke Johnson doesn't scream like "Go ahead and play him" uh, against Cleveland to run the ball doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, you're not, he's not going to have a high ceiling on the ground. And what you're looking for is production through the pass game. And unfortunately, Houston just doesn't target their running backs in the pass game. You're going to probably see four or five targets, which is enough to get it done. And it's like if you were looking for to play cheap, cheap running backs. Uh, in, a, in a cash game lineup. But as far as ceiling goes, I just don't think Duke Johnson has it. Okay, Alex, do you have any interest in Duke Johnson? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a good play this week. Uh, just like I would like David Johnson if he was 5K, and I've been losing all my money playing David Johnson. I don't see it that much different <laughs> with Duke Johnson. I mean, they're both D. Dot Johnson, so basically the same player. So what's the difference? <laughs> yeah. but the difference is, like, for some reason, people like Duke Johnson more than they like David Johnson. I don't really expect Duke to be more successful than David Johnson would be here. But that doesn't mean, you know, it's not a decent spot. Cleveland's defense has been average and the wind uh, in the game, maybe you get more running back production than wide receiver production. So I think Duke Johnson is solid, but uh, 
because of how many fewer targets he has compared to a Mike Davis, I don't think there's as much consistency with uh, his scoring. Mike, is there interest in the passing game knowing that this total, by the way, if, if you guys are out there, listen, check this out. Very seldom do you see something like this. The total in this game has dropped an astounding eight points since the open from 54 to 46. Mike, I know a lot of us say, screw it. You know, don't let the weather affect your decision making. It's a tournament. You got to make some moves. Sometimes you have to take some chances. But my God, that is a that's a huge drop in total from open to, to now on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, that's a big swing. And and what you want to like, so basically when a game happens like that, it's almost like you go back to that Raiders game against the Browns and you're like, oh, Henry Ruggs, you don't want to play him because he's targeted like 20 some yards down the field. You want to look for those guys that are targeted around the line of scrimmage. The running backs could see some more targets, which could play into the whole Duke Johnson thing. But again, if you look at the history of Deshaun Watson in this offense, he just doesn't target running backs. And that's why I'm scared. I don't think there's much of a ceiling there. And again, he's not going to get it done on the ground. I think there have been just like two running backs who have totaled like 60 yards in the ground against Cleveland this year. Um, but like someone like Jarvis Landry, uh, the matchup was already good for him against Houston uh, because Bradley Roby, their best cornerback, doesn't travel into the slot. So uh, Landry, 11 targets in that game in the first game without Odell Beckham. Sure, Austin Hooper's coming back, whatever. Um, but I, I see this as a run-heavy game. But when they do pass, I, I would imagine that Jarvis Landry is going to see the majority of the targets there. And his average depth of target is closer to the line of scrimmage. So if you wanted to play one, it'd be him. But that total flying down like that, I just think that there's other plays in the slate that you can go after. Yeah, and Alex, on the other side, you've got uh, two outside receivers that more than likely are, are guys that most of the time you're playing them to get those deep targets, mm-hmm. to the long touchdowns, and guys like Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. Uh, this feels like a game that really negatively affects those two guys. Definitely. I mean, we have uh, potential wins of, you know, 20 miles plus. I think that's a big hit to the the passing game, especially guys that have a high ADAT. So Will Fuller would probably be the top of the list there uh, of guys who could be potentially impacted. So, uh, I mean, Cooks has been the one that's been winning people the money recently, but Fuller has been having some good games. So it's kind of hard to pick between them. I don't, it's an interesting contrarian spot or maybe like no one's going to be on the Houston stack because of the wins but they still have decent potential. I mean, uh, Houston throws at a decent rate. They're uh, about 40% base rushing uh, in my model here. So one of the more pass heavy teams. So the volume could be pretty good. Uh, the efficiency this year has been great, but I expect that to be hurt by the wind a good amount. Um, the main thing keeping me away is the price, I guess, where Will Fuller is like 7K. On DraftKings and FanDuel, and that's that's a pretty high premium when you're comparing them to guys like Terry McLaurin uh, or Tyler Lockett that that might have a lot more potential this week. So, Mike, one of the other games that we definitely need to spend some time on, and, and I tweeted about this the other day, Seattle Seahawks and, and the Los Angeles Rams. Remarkably, the amount of points that we've seen scored in Seahawks games this season – is unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. 63, 65, 69, 54, 53, 71, 64, 78. The only game that's gone under with Seattle this season went under by half a point. 
a good that's a good game to attack. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you you look at the the Seahawks that, that secondary right now, and I know they traded for Carlos Dunlap and they got Jamal Adams back off injury, but that secondary is in complete shambles. Uh, not only that, but they're going to be down their top three cornerbacks in this game. Does that make them better or worse? Uh, it's hard to say that they're going to be any worse, but uh, uh, teams have averaged I think seven almost seventy four plays per game against them. Quarterbacks are on a record shattering pace. Like if you legitimately just play the quarterback against the Seahawks every single week, you would be on pace for 5,920 yards. Yep. Just how stupid is that? Like it's almost a <laughs> 6,000 yard passing season. Uh, Jared Goff and the Rams have kind of went with a more run heavy approach this year, but Seattle, if that, if there's one area that they've actually been good, it's, it's stopping the run. Uh, Seattle is going to put points on the board. And that's the thing, Sean McVay coming out of a bye week I believe in Sean McVay. Okay, there are some coaches in the NFL where I I basically run through the matchup and I say, this is how you need to attack them. And then you walk out there and you're just like, this coach does not pay attention to anything. He doesn't understand the art of war. Uh, so, But Sean McVay does. Sean McVay is a smart guy. Uh, he's had two weeks to prepare for this game off their bye. You attack Seattle through the air. That's how you get it done. Um, you know, Jared, Jared Goff, I usually don't like him very much, but in this game, in this matchup, I will play almost any quarterback against Seattle, especially when he's had two weeks to re- prepare. Robert Woods, I mean, this is a game to stack nonstop, like legitimately just find the right combination. And I promise you it's going to net fantasy points, like a lot of them. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this is the, 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 the winning stack. It's just picking the other parts that you go as accent pieces to your lineup. Uh, but someone like Jared Goff, Robert Woods, Robert Woods should have eight plus receptions in this game. I wouldn't be shocked if he reached double digits. Cooper cup is a little bit questionable. And that's the part that has me leaning a little bit more towards Robert Woods stacking those guys avoid the running backs in the Ram side of the ball. Um, but look for those wide receivers, even Josh Reynolds. He's a guy that has seen a uh, 22 targets over the last three games, which is plenty to do some damage, right? Uh, especially against this Rams team um, or against the Seattle team. My only concern with Reynolds is that if I were his coach, I'd bench him after what happened against Miami. I don't know if you guys saw that play or not, but yeah. uh, it was lackadaisical. It was the worst display of like hustle I've ever seen. It was anti-DK Metcalf. That's basically what it was. Uh, but on the other side, the question is, who do you stack them with? Because you're going to need some Seahawks to stack. And DK Metcalf against Darius Williams and J- Jalen Ramsey, those are both really good cornerbacks. They've been playing like lights out all year long. Uh, so Tyler Lockett, this is really a bounce back spot for him. Uh, so if you want to stack, my favorite one of these guys would be someone like Josh Allen, Robert Woods. You could probably even do Cooper Cup and then come back with Tyler Lockett on the other side. You know, Alex, I was thinking the other day, hey, I'll, I'm going to play this game heavily no matter what the ownership looks like assume it'll be high. You look at our ownership projections right now. It is not nearly as high as you would think. As a matter of fact, in this game between the Rams, between the Seahawks, there isn't a single player projected for 15 plus percent on DraftKings. That is quite surprising. I mean, I was thinking Lockett here is in a pretty good price point, good spot where Seattle is a dog. So you maybe project more passing volume for us. I think that this game has a lot of potential. And I guess uh, when I'm looking at the the slate, I see that, you know, Seattle has given up the most production to quarterbacks. Uh, so I'm expecting the Rams stack to be decently owned. I have Goff at about 8%, which is a little bit high uh, in my opinion, I guess. Um, and then the other guy that has high ownership is Josh Reynolds. It's definitely warranted because... He uh, he's seen his playing time go up the past three weeks to, to being an every down player where at the start of the year he was splitting with Van Jefferson. So I think at 3,500 on DraftKings and 5K on FanDuel, Josh Reynolds is a great value. 
but uh, the ownership might be pretty high. Um, I think him and, and Lockett are probably the best overall plays uh, from this game. Although, uh, we, pending Seattle's running back news, because if Chris Carson and Hyde are out again, uh, there's definitely going to be some opportunity this week. You know, Mike, you'd think there would be a slightly bigger discrepancy in ownership between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, only because they're $1,100 separated, and people like to get to, on, on a team where Lockett and Metcalf, either, one of them every week, is putting up the big scores, mm-hmm. you would certainly expect it to be a bigger gap, a wider gap. And we saw that last week. Maybe it's because now Metcalf has had two big games in a row. But uh, I can assure you of this, only one player on this team has two games, multiple games with three touchdowns this season. There's one thing we know about Tyler Lockett. It's he's going to have some ugly games, and we've certainly seen that. We've seen four of his last five in the single digits on DraftKing point, in DraftKings points. But we also know that if you're looking to win tournaments, Tyler Lockett certainly has the ceiling to do that with two games of 40-plus DraftKings points just over his last seven. Yep. No, I mean, and so DK going against Tredavious White last week, I think that's where everybody's feeling the confidence to play him over yeah. Tyler Lockett and pay up for him. And I understand it. I really do. Cause DK is a guy that I, if you, so there, the, the, the determinant is that he's playing against the top tier cornerback in Jalen Ramsey. The positive in that is that DK Metcalf is left on one-on-one because they trust Jalen Ramsey in one-on-one coverage. And uh, to be what, when you pay a cornerback the money that they did pay Jalen Ramsey, that's why they do that. Uh, but again, DK Metcalf is the type of guy, I don't know if he can be stopped one-on-one. You know, you saw Stephon Gilmore struggle against that guy, and he breaks free for a big play. That's all it takes for him, but it's the same thing with Lockett. And the reason I like Lockett a little bit more this week is because you look at the, the the they run, they almost always run these three wide receiver sets, Seattle does. So you're going to have a, a nickel cornerback on the field. Troy Hill is their nickel cornerback playing in the slot. He has been targeted once every 7.7 snaps this year. Uh while Jalen Ramsey and uh, Darius Williams on the perimeter have been targeted every 17.7 snaps in coverage. So there's quite the discrepancy there. And I'm expecting Russell Wilson to kind of take advantage of that, get the ball out of his hand over the middle of the field against that nasty pass rush that the Rams do have. So um, yeah, Lockett, he's not a guy that you play in cash or anything like that, but in a tournament, love him. Who would you say you like more in tournaments or is it just whoever you get the most of doesn't really matter between Metcalf and Lockett? I'd probably play Lockett. Uh, the, loners, the, the ownership I would expect to be lower with Lockett than it is with DK. Um, so I'll, I'll say that I'll say Lockett. Okay, Alex Buffalo and Arizona. Here's here's another one with uh, I believe to be at least last time I checked the highest total on the slate. Unless everything, unless something has changed dramatically, um, all of these other games, not all of them, but several of them, you're seeing the total plummet. This one opened at 52. It's been bet up to 56 now. Uh, Arizona at home against Buffalo. Um, you know, we don't get to every single game on this show. It's only an hour, and we've got the UFC uh, MMA Live Before Lock with Jason Floyd and Pete Rogers coming up immediately after this, so stick around for that. And then tomorrow we've got our four-hour marathon coverage from 9 Eastern all the way up to 1. So anything we miss here, we'll cover and then some tomorrow. But we want to get to some of the big stuff, some of the important stuff, the integral stuff when it comes to building lineups. And, Alex, there's no denying Buffalo and Arizona is right there in the thick of it. Our top stack tool shows Arizona at 13.8% projected ownership at the quarterback position, which translates to stack ownership. And then Buffalo at 13.6, one and two respectively. So this game, no doubt, going to be very popular. But both of them have the two highest top stack probabilities on the slate as well. Yeah, I mean, this is the game of the week for sure. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, you got two teams that have improved significantly this year. Uh, Buffalo, I mean, Josh Allen's efficiency has been way, way better this year. And they have uh, Stefan Diggs, who has been a number one wide receiver, uh, one of the best in the league, averaging almost 20 fantasy points per game. So I think uh, stacking up Buffalo in a spot where they're underdogs to Arizona is really appealing because if we get a lot of passing attempts out of uh, Josh Allen, I think that could translate into a huge fantasy performance. And the Arizona side, Kyler Murray, his efficiency has been up this year, averaging 7.6 yards per attempt. And his rushing has been insane. I mean, he's basically what Lamar Jackson was last year. Mm-hmm. And that's just one, pretty much the best fantasy player in the game now. So um, you throw that in with the fact that Hopkins has been a pretty good uh, target hog. And, uh, I mean, it's hard to not like the stack. So I think it's it really stands out as the best game of the week. But since everyone kind of is able to figure that out, it might be hard to, to really build a lineup that's unique. Mike, as I mentioned earlier, I joined you on the uh, Fantasy Pros podcast last week for week nine. And I think mostly you and I had pretty similar opinions. We deviated on a couple of things, but one area that we agreed on was Chase Edmonds uh, in that spot against Miami based on a volume alone with Kenyon Drake out. Well, neither of us were wrong when it came to volume, right? 27 carries, 28 overall touches, but just general and over like who would think that this guy with 28 touches in a game where his team puts up 31 points would lay that much of an egg. Kenyon Drake ends up being a game time call for, for, for Sunday for tomorrow. Chase Edmonds could be the one that, that gets his number called again as their typical three down back with someone like Drake out. Um, if that is the case, are you willing to say, you know what? The passing game is going to be super chalky here. Maybe I can look to the ground game uh, and go back to the well with uh, Chase Edmonds. Yeah, unfortunately, his price is still way up there, even though after he struggled in that game. So that's the part where it's like, I, I don't know if I want to pay 6300 for him. It does make sense. If Drake plays, I think I still prefer Edmonds, but I don't But I don't think you can pay that 6300 yeah. Under Sean McDermott, the Bills have basically, like going back to the time he started, we're talking about a big sample, like four plus years now, uh, they've allowed basically almost one rushing touchdown per game, uh, which is actually very, very high. Um, so, you know, the, the matchup on the ground is better than it was against Miami last week. Miami wasn't a terrible matchup, but I think it 
just goes to show where people see a running back come off the bench in a third down roll and they're like, oh, he's so much more explosive than Kenyon Drake. Well, if I went to do a run around my mile long neighborhood and then got back home and handed a baton to someone, of course, they're going to look like they're faster than me at the end of that. So it's just, you know, you, you, you can't compare apples to apples. So Edmonds, maybe it's just the offensive line and the scheme that they run. The running backs just aren't generating a whole lot of opportunity, but or of, of success, I should say, because the opportunity has definitely been there, even with Kenyon Drake. But if Drake returns, I don't know. I, I would anticipate them giving Drake at least a dozen carries, and then Edmonds is going to have some of that passing down role. The matchup is good in terms of weighted opportunity against the Bills. They've allowed the 12th most fantasy points per opportunity. So if Drake does remain out, I'll go back to Edmonds in tournaments for sure. Because again, uh, if Tredavious White, it seems like he's going to play this game. Uh, you know, Christian Kirk has a good matchup on the other side of the field. He's been rolling as of late. But yeah, I there, I don't see much ownership going towards Chase Edmonds this week just because of his, his blunder last week and his, his price where it's at. So um, there's some guys like Antonio Gibson, if you go down to like 5,600, that people are going to play. So so um, Edmonds, I don't mind if Drake is out, but if Drake plays, I don't think I could touch him. Yeah, Christian Kirk feels like he has as many touchdowns as receptions this year. Uh, Mike, we got we got Alex's take on the stack from the passing game. Let me get yours before we move on from this spot between Buffalo and Arizona. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously one of the pricier receivers, but also one of the highest volume receivers in the league. Christian mm-hmm. Kirk, you mentioned, has a good matchup. And then, of course, on the other side, uh, it's it's hard to ignore guys like Stefan Diggs. John Brown was very popular sub 5K last week for good reason. Came two yards shy of the 100-yard bonus. There are a lot of different ways that we can get uh, that we can get involved here. Uh, but also, we've seen games for Buffalo, too, like last week. Diggs and, and Brown could have had huge games if, once again, Josh Allen didn't, you know, throw touchdowns to Isaiah McKenzie. And, and who else was it? Tyler Croft. I, I don't <laughs> even remember at this point. Yeah, it was. He does was that ugly. quite a bit. Yeah, it definitely does. But I still I still would go back to the Bills side of the ball just because they're going to have lower ownership than Kyler Murray in that side uh, because it's easier to come back in the other way, right? You can go with Diggs, you can go with Josh Allen and then come back and get Christian Kirk at a cheaper, like a discount. The reason I'm a little bit worried about DeAndre Hopkins, he's clearly been playing through some sort of injury this year. Uh, he has been getting back to practice, getting healthier, but Xavier Howard shut him down last week, like legit shut him down. And I know there were a couple pass interference calls that he earned that got him some yardage, but Tredavious White, is a better cornerback than Xavier Howard. So if you have to worry about a shadow cornerback kind of removing DeAndre Hopkins from the game, I don't think he's going to be removed from the game at all, but I think it's a reason to go the other way just because people are going to pile up on Kyler. They're going to play him and they're going to want to stack him. So you figure Hopkins is going to be a big part of that stack. So I'm I'm with Alex here. and I'd, I'd probably go on the other side of the ball and play the Bills. Okay. Alex, one game you mentioned before we got started that could be an interesting contrarian spot. I don't even want to talk about it because every time I do, it lets me down. But it it makes a lot of sense. And that's Philadelphia and the New York Giants for a number of reasons, right? These are, it's a divisional game. Uh, I think it was Matt Savoca on the matchup show with me on Thursday mentioned that there are studies done that some of these, that these divisional games generally are lower scoring. Um, take that for what it's worth. But the total here actually opened at 41. It's up to 44 and a half, still low for 2020 football, but uh, the Eagles are beginning to get healthy. Jalen Rieger is back, um, scored in his first game back. As I've said, Travis Fulgham is the, the best wide receiver that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> slight hyperbole, but I absolutely love the kid. Miles Sanders is off the injury report. Even Alshon Jeffrey is back. Uh, and on the other side, the Giants are beginning, to get, are beginning to get healthy as well. And, you know, Evan Ingram has looked better. He's starting to see a far be- better target share. Um, 
And then ultimately, Daniel Jones hasn't been bad to the point where they can't stay competitive. Go ahead, start wherever you'd like with this one. I do think it's an interesting game. Yeah, I think uh, this one is going to go under the radar this week because we got so much value that going to a cheap stack uh, might not be a very popular strategy. I think there's a lot of potential here. I mean, we got two teams that really aren't very good on either side of the ball, I'd say. I mean, maybe Philadelphia's defense has been above average, but um, yeah, so I think there's uh, there's a lot of potential uh, for one of these teams at least to have a lot of success. And we got we got some interesting individual pieces. Miles Sanders coming back from injury. I'll probably wait on that. But uh, Fulgham, as you mentioned, has been crushing. Dallas Goddard, his second game back from injury, I'm feeling pretty confident in, in Goddard because he ran routes on 75% of the plays last week. And uh, given that it's the other tight end is Richard Rodgers, I could see that even being higher this week. So I think he's a really good value. Wentz is cheap. Fulgham is, uh, has been a stud that has huge upside. Um, so I think you got a nice little stack brewing on the other side. It's harder to find good, good options, but Sterling Shepard has been getting a good amount of targets. This is, he's not very, uh, exciting because his average depth of targets really low. He's only averaging about nine yards per catch, but, uh, in PPR, I think there's potential there. Mike, just three weeks ago, these teams faced off against each other and, uh, it was not a shadow matchup for Travis Fogum and James Bradbury. Of course, why would it be? We didn't know much about the guy. Pro Football Focus, just 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 one source here, but I will throw it out there. They have this as a shadow matchup for Travis Fogum and James Bradbury, who uh, hasn't looked as stellar lately, but overall is one of the best uh, you know, shutdown corners in the league. What do you think about that matchup? Uh, that one I'd probably avoid because I don't know how the ce- high the ceiling is with Fulgham. I would rather attack at Rager. Uh, Rager was a guy that they tried to in his first game back. Like, you know, you didn't know how he was going to respond in his first game back after a multiple week absence. He came back earlier than expected a week before their bye week, which it, it seemed like it didn't make sense for him to play, but he did. They, they they targeted him six times. They gave him a carry in that game. So if that's going to be what they're going to do, where if you have, you know, someone like James Bradbury shadowing Travis Fulgham, I think Jalen Rager has massive splash potential because he's being targeted down the field the Eagles in, in neutral game scripts, they're throwing the ball, I think, more than all but one team in the NFL. Uh, Carson Wentz has racked up the attempts. Uh, the Giants have been somewhat of a funnel defense where they've been better against the run than they have against the pass. So uh, this bye week probably came at the perfect time for Carson Wentz because he got he had a crappy start to the season. Uh, it does help that all these guys are coming back. And I don't I can't I can't imagine a situation where Miles Sanders comes back in and they turn into this run heavy team. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, under Doug Peterson, it's, it's similar to the offense that Matt Nagy runs. These guys just like to throw the ball uh, and it kind of makes some sense. So uh, this is a game that I would definitely look forward to stacking. It's going to be a little bit under owned, uh, you know, Carson Wentz, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard. Uh, that's a cheap stack. Um, and then if you wanted to come back on the other side, you know, Slayton's got the splash potential that one play potential, but he should see slay the majority of time where Sterling Shepard, as Alex was saying, Shepard has now, if you remove the one game against the bears where he had to leave early with that toe injury, he has seen at least six targets in 20 straight games. Uh, that's volume that's pretty hard to find. So again, on a site like DraftKings where you're playing PPR, if they fall behind, uh, and even in the, the game a couple weeks ago they played, he caught six of eight targets for 59 yards and a touchdown. So um, yeah, I, I'm down to stack the Eagles. Okay. 
So I and really Dallas Goddard here, even before Zach Ertz got hurt to uh, earlier in the season. Uh, sorry, before Goddard got hurt and then Ertz got hurt. But while Goddard was still healthy, uh, Carson Wentz was locked in on it, and, mm-hmm. and Dallas Goddard is uh, one of the more talented pass catching tight ends in the league. Uh, I, I think ownership could play a pretty big role here, uh, Alex. But the tight end position, by the way, Adam Schefter just reported that David Johnson's hitting the IR. He's out for a minimum of three. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't expect that to be the case with a concussion. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Alex, what are you doing uh, a little bit further with someone like Dallas Goddard here? I see him talked about in chat, so I, I wanted to make sure we could hit on this. Is is this a spot that, that you like? His ownership right now, pulling it up, we've got uh, Dallas Goddard at 13.7. He has come up throughout the week, but it's pretty flat ownership at tight end. There's no one that really jumps off the page from an ownership perspective. Yeah, I think uh, that ownership is pretty justified. Uh, Zach Ertz had kind of been in the mix last year and started this year, and that really limited Goddard from achieving his full potential. And now they've uh, they've got some decent wide receivers too. So there's there's definitely competition for Goddard to be uh, one of the top receivers on the team. But that being said, he's been targeted on. 18% on routes this year. Last year, he ran routes on 75% of dropbacks, and that's pretty high for a tight end, especially one that's 4.2K. So uh, I like Goddard as one-off or as part of a sack. Okay. Um, Mike, another game that probably isn't going to draw a lot of eyes to it is one of the one of only five 1 p.m. games this week. By the way, just so you guys know, this is the first week we've seen a huge sack, or a 4 p.m. wave of games only five in the one o'clock Eastern hour, six on the 4 p.m. hour. So be sure to get in on some of that afternoon game action. All of our sh- all of our tools, by the way, uh, all of the tools on the site, we have ownership for afternoon slate. We have uh, player projections for, for the afternoon. Everything you need uh, split up between slates. Of course, showdown as well. So check it out at awesomeo.com slash join. Ownership tools, player projections, top stack tool, fa- uh, lineup builder, fantasy cruncher add-on, all of that great stuff over there. Uh, and if you just want showdown on top of some express tools like the express lineup builder, the express top stacks, player rankings, Less than $4 a week, you can get the Express NFL package. All of that stuff I just named is included in it, including all of our showdown content. But, of course, check that out if you hear us talk about ownership, player projections. That's all included with these tools at awesomeo.com slash join. Um, Back to what I was saying, Mike, Washington and Detroit. You mentioned Antonio Gibson moments ago. It's kind of a weird spot here because he's been – he's had some games where he's been pretty impressive, but last week – uh, J.D. McKissick, his his opportunities as a pass catcher have been pretty significant, and he's been targeted on 35% of Alex Smith's passes this season when he's been under center, not not Kyle Allen um, and, and or not Dwayne Haskins. Do you do you think McKissick has some value here? Do you like Gibson? Do you like neither of these guys? Uh, how do you see this backfield shaking out? And do you think they're not really hurting each other all that much because McKissick's playing more of a wide receiver or a slot receiver type role? This really all depends on game script. Uh, if you see Washington keep this game in a, in a neutral game script, I expect uh, Antonio Gibson to deliver a lot of value on his 5,600 salary. If it goes negatively and the Lions put up two touchdowns early in the game, you're going to see a lot of J.D. McKissick against that team. Now, fortunately, both of them can produce in this game. Uh, the Lions have allowed 187 yard total yards per game to running backs, uh, 31.3 touches per game against them. They're allowing... 
uh, a league high 8.26 yards per target, 2.17 PPR points per target to running back. So McKissick, I mean, we can't forget the revenge game narrative, can we? Um, he's going against his former team here too. So they're both probably really good options. It just depends on what you project this game script to be. So if you if you like Washington to win this game or at least keep it very, very close, I think Gibson's a fantastic play. And I understand last week like being concerned about it because McKissick, again, did play 45 of 54 snaps, but... I think that was large in part to do with the fact that Antonio Gibson, a rookie, fumbled the ball early in the game. Uh, he was he did seem to have a bigger role in the beginning, and then all of a sudden after that fumble, they kind of just removed him from the game plan. He they've been limiting his snaps, uh, so again, it really is. Uh, but it just it's so game script dependent. So if you're going to be playing tournaments and you want to attack this backfield, I suggest having exposure to both of them, uh, just because it just depends on the way the game shakes out. If what's going in the favor of Antonio Gibson, though, and the reason I think people are going to consider playing him in cash is because Detroit is hard. They're hardly full strength in this game. Uh, Kenny Galladay is out. TJ Hawkinson is questionable after he was downgraded in practice with a toe injury in, uh, during the week. So uh, Marvin Jones is not a guy that's racking up the yardage. So it's just really difficult to see Matthew Stafford having tons of sex, success here. So, again, it should be somewhat of a neutral game script. So that those are the games where Antonio Gibson has done really well. What about on the other side, Alex, with DeAndre Swift? He's actually getting relatively decent ownership. Nothing crazy. Um, does 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 the, do you expect the volume to continue trending upward here? Is he someone that's 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 you have your eyes on at fifty one hundred? Yeah, I mean, I think he stands out as a good option. Uh, although this week there's so much competition between these cheap running backs. But uh, Swift has been seeing his work increase throughout the season. This past week, uh, he saw 50% of the rushing attempts for 13 attempts. That's not bad. And then uh, he ran routes on a third of snaps. So nothing, the workload isn't going to be like that reliable. But uh, Detroit is in a good spot this week versus Washington where um, they're favorites in the game. And uh, I, I guess the more I'm looking at it, the least, less excited and swift I'm getting, but he's been targeted at 26% of his routes, which is a very high number. Uh, so when he is out there, he's really producing a lot. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Any interest in swift for you, Mike? No, I think that teams generally have kept their running backs into actually pass block a little bit more against Detroit or against Washington because of that nasty pass rush. They are second in the NFL in terms of uh, sack rate. They're up there in pressure rate. Uh, running backs, because of that, have only averaged uh, like a combination of all running backs have combined uh, for just 6.7 PPR points per game through the air. That's the third fewest in the NFL. Washington has been like legitimately almost. I don't want to say elite, but close to an elite defense. So then when you start adding in the fact that I looked at the, the weighted opportunity between these running backs in Detroit over the last four weeks, and it's basically a 50, 35, 15 timeshare. So when you only get 50% of the work and a lot of the, a lot of the weighted opportunity you get comes through the air against a team that's not allowing a whole lot through the air. Swift doesn't really excite me too much. This should be a lower scoring game. Okay. So last game we're going to talk about before we get to our top fades and our top pivots of the week. Don't worry, Mike. The one guy we were that we planned on talking about that I asked you about before the show, I uh, wanted to save it for the end so we can hit on it there and expand upon it. But Alex, the, the last one I want to hit on here is we talked about Mike Davis to kick off the show. We'll wrap it up with the other side here in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the reason I want to get to this one is because last week was just, they were in utter turmoil throughout 60 straight minutes. It was brutal to watch. And, you know, 
just nothing went right for them despite getting Antonio Brown in the offense, despite having a healthy Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, uh, and improving Rob Gronkowski, seeming like he's working his way back. But now they face Carolina uh, in a game where they have a 27-point implied total. uh, I'm sorry, 28.25 total in this game's over 50%. But look at ownership. You're really not seeing much ownership coming in on Tampa Bay much at all. And I think it's less to do with what we saw last week and more to do with what more to do with just the the vast variety of options that Tom Brady has to get the ball to, whether it's on the ground where Carolina's run defense has struggled so much. You don't know necessarily who's going to get the ball there and who he's going to target through the air. So um, your thoughts, knowing that the most the highest owned player for Tampa Bay right now, six percent, that's Chris Godwin. Yeah, I mean, I I can understand why no one's really high on on the Bucks uh, this week. Uh, Brady just hasn't been very efficient this year, averaging six point nine yards per attempt. That's pretty miserable compared to like who he's throwing to. Where with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you'd expect a pretty high flight passing offense. So that's been a little disappointing. Maybe Antonio Brown will help a little bit. He played about 75% of the snaps last week, I think. Um, let me pull that up. Yeah, he was out on 80% of passing plays, so that was pretty high. So uh, maybe that will improve their offense a little bit, but uh, that definitely takes away a little bit from Chris Godwin and Mike Evans as far as target share. And the fact that Tampa Bay is such big favorites in this game, maybe that funnels you to the running backs, but between Fournette and... Ronald Jones, it seems hard to predict each week who's going to be the guy that gets more work. Uh, Last week, they only had five rushing attempts, so not really any sample there. I'd say that uh, they definitely seem to be leaning towards Fournette. So uh, maybe Fournette's a decent play, but the running back's pretty stacked this week, so it's hard to fall in love with them. Mike, really same thing to you. And the only reason I bring this up is, and Alex is not wrong, that Brady has definitely had some warts, but he is fourth in passing touchdowns this season. And they do have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, in my opinion, two of the most talented wide receivers in the league. And who knows what to make of Antonio Brown uh, and a run game that in favorable game scripts can get it going. Are you willing to take any shots on Tampa this week at low ownership? Um, or are you getting away from this entirely? I mean, if you're setting tons of lineups, I, I probably would get some sort of exposure. Uh, back in week two, when these two teams played, uh, we saw Fournette and Jones combined for 19 carries, 126 yards and three touchdowns in the ground. They also got seven targets through the air. Now Antonio Brown is going to cap that, but Carolina has actually been really good. Like, uh, the, the defense this year, that new scheme that they've in, they've installed there has worked. Uh, if you look at from a points per play allowed uh, versus like what a quarterback would typically average, the Panthers are the second toughest te- defense in football. So uh, Tom Brady, this should not be, I know some people are saying, oh, Tom Brady revenge game. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I, I think he'll have a fine game because they don't, Carolina doesn't pressure quarterbacks all that much. And when Brady has time to throw, he typically does pretty well. It's when he's under pressure, when, when he, when he struggles, but knowing this team ran the ball so well against this defense last time, knowing that the Panthers are facing, I think the second most weighted opportunity in the league against running backs, there probably is some value to be had. Uh, Ronald Jones appears to be the one, two down back when they're leading in games where they kind of just want to go with him. They don't want to trust him too much in the passing game while Fournette is going to be mixed on third downs. So if you're predicting a positive game script, I guess Ronald Jones kind of makes some sense. Uh, and he's also going to have like 
rock bottom ownership. But again, in PPR formats, it does hurt that he's only got to catch a couple passes. Uh, so you kind of need him to score two touchdowns in the tournament. So I don't know. I could be talking myself out of it. It's uh, it's a matchup that you definitely love to attack. But as Alex said, you just on a weekly basis, you just don't know which one's going to work here. All right. It's so tough. Man. I feel like you're going to get a big game from one or two of these Bucks players, but this, being able to pick who it's going to be is tough. So, uh, yeah, if you're 150 max or even 100. I will like I, – there's no question I want to get some of this. I'm just not necessarily sure where I come in highest on. Guys, remember, before we head out, all of our shows are available in podcast form. Uh, on any platform that hosts podcasts, there's a very good chance you can find us there. Uh, and remember, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Help get us up north of that 50K mark by the time the year is out. Uh, we owe it to you guys for watching every week uh, and, and and making you know this a fun job to do. One more thing. While you're at it, follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Teglieri DFS. Check him out uh, at Fantasy Pros on the podcast. Check out all of his work over there at FantasyPros.com. And follow Alex at AwesomeODFS. Myself, Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. All right, Alex, your top fade of the week. Is it Aaron Jones? Yeah, I, I already threw Aaron Jones out there. Okay, so, so you mix bad. it up a bit. Uh, I'll throw out another fade of the week. I guess um, just I might uh, be under the field on Buffalo and Arizona game stacks. It's so hard to predict in the NFL when a game will have a shootout um, because you need very specific conditions. You need the game to be close. You want the losing team to be uh, the one in possession of the ball more often. So like them trading touchdowns and stuff like that. And um, if you don't have those factors where you're going to see the pace of the game is going to slow down a lot as one team tries to run out the clock and then fantasy production really stalls. So I think that uh, although uh, like since 25% of stacks are coming from this game and there's 10 games on the slate, I think uh, my I'm feeling my odds might be better going to some lower on games. By the way, Mike Tagliar, NFL. I think I said DFS. Thanks for that <laughs> correction there, uh, Jordan. Mike, feel free to tell me I'm wrong next time. You don't have to sit there and and get that maybe give everyone the wrong <laughs> handle out there. <laughs> it's all good, dude. It's all good. Mike Tagliar, NFL. My fault, guys. Who's your top fade of the week, Mike? I honestly, I, I was going to go the same direction as Alex did. I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to stay away from Kyler Murray. Uh, we are projecting him as the highest owned quarterback by quite, by quite a bit. Um, it's just, it's almost at the peak, right? Uh, where you want to start fading guys and everybody and their grandmother wants to play Kyler Murray. But I think there are other guys that you can go down to Russell Wilson, obviously Jerry Goff, those guys are going to be involved in a shootout. Um, even Josh Allen, the other side of the ball, that game's going to be a shootout. Josh Allen, they're not running the ball. You know, Arizona's actually done a pretty good job on the ground. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary averaging together, I think like 22 to 24 touches per game. So they rely on Josh Allen a lot. Arizona's a lot, a lot of uh, rushing production on the ground. So I'll say Kyler Murray is the probably one I, the one I would fade uh, when you consider an ownership. All right. Kyler Murray. I like it. Um, For me, it's tough. I, the only with given the win, given the situation, and given how many good wide receivers there are, uh, 9K Devontae Adams yeah. is is quite a bit of money. So uh, around if he's coming in around 20%, I'm not afraid to to get a little bit unique at wide receiver. Of course, still have some Devontae Adams, but um, $9,000 is a lot to pay for a wide receiver. And there are more than likely going to be a lot of other 6, 7K receivers that pop off this week. Uh, as far as pivots go, I'll throw one out there that uh, got it crushed me last week james connor 
Uh, I don't mind going back to him here. I think you get Pittsburgh at home now. Again, a lot of parity in the NFL. Who thought they'd go down two scores to Dallas? I certainly didn't, but they did. And they completely abandoned the run game, went empty backfield for what felt like three straight quarters. Uh, I think James Conner here at, at his price point is still very fair. Uh, and he could, you know, another 20 plus touches is very much in the cards. 6% ownership looks pretty nice to me. What about you, Mike? Who's your uh, pivot of the week? Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Devontae Adams, and I was actually going to talk about him, but I, it's always difficult, right, saying that you want to fade, like, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. That's why I try um, to, to throw the disclaimer. I'm not – I don't – it's not right. that I don't want to play any Devontae Adams. You For know? sure, but I get it. At 9K, uh, I would rather pivot to Michael Thomas. Me too. Um, I, Michael Thomas is uh, one of my guys this week, and I, I love the fact that we're projecting him for under 5% ownership. Uh, you know, he – I think we can all agree that the 49ers are worse secondary than they were last year. And uh, Michael Thomas like destroyed them last year for 11 receptions, 134 yards and a touchdown in week 14. Um, Obviously Alvin Kamara is going to get some work, but the 49ers, as we saw with his doppelganger last week, Aaron Jones, like I've compared those two since the preseason. I think Aaron Jones is just every bit as efficient as Alvin Kamara. Those two are just like in a league of their own uh, with efficiency. Uh, But Michael Thomas will be the primary source of uh, production for the saints this week. I truly believe that there have already been three wide receivers this year who have totaled 10 plus receptions, not targets, 10 plus receptions against the 49ers, including that guy that we're pivoting off of Devontae Adams. And we're going to go over to Michael Thomas and watch him absolutely crush this week. Love it. All right, put a bow on it for us, Alex. Favorite pivot of the week? Since I did a game stack, I'll look at another game here. I mentioned the the Giants-Eagles game, which I kind of like. Another that I'm I'm honing in on here is Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati. And uh, uh, Pittsburgh definitely has the better end of this matchup because the Bengals' defense has been pretty dreadful. And Big Ben has some really interesting options to throw to with Chase Claypool being the top one. And, uh, I mean, Deontay Johnson, he, he's been a high-value threat for a lot of PPR points. So that's pretty interesting on that side. Now, the Cincinnati side, they're, they have a tough matchup versus Steelers. But they've been throwing at one of the highest rates in the league and being a big underdog in this one. We could expect a lot of passing volume. And um, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, and T. Higgins – you know, I don't think they're going to be very popular this week. Um, but I kind of like uh, the upside of this one just because of the volume. If uh, it, w- it wouldn't be very surprising to see one of them top 100 yards. So I might stack up this game a little bit. All right. That'll do it for us. Again, Mike Tagliari, NFL on Twitter, at Awesomeo DFS, at Lafayette underscore D, and, of course, Awesomeo at Awesomeo underscore com. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you back here tomorrow for our marathon show, 9 Eastern to 1 p.m., getting you prepped for week 10 of NFL action. We'll see you soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.